What do we do in Laredo? We combine two words, New Year, and we put it together so it sounds like this. Happy Nier. So happy Nier. You know, I don't know of anybody, anybody at all, who wakes up one morning and says this to himself. You know what? Today is going to be the day that I cheat on my spouse. I don't know of anyone who wakes up and decides that today will be the day that relationships that they have will be ruined. Relationships with their children, relationship with their family, relationship with their church. I don't know of anybody who wakes up on New Year's Day and says this. This year, my New Year's resolution is by the end of the year, I want to be in the worst shape ever. I don't know of anybody who decides to be in a financial crisis. I don't know of anyone who one day decides and says, I'm going to be addicted to alcohol. I don't know of anybody who one day decides to be addicted to drugs or pornography. Nobody ever decides to wreck their lives. Not you, not me, neither did King David. But if we're honest, most of us, have our King David's moment. Most of us, our story begins just like his one evening. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And so King David fell into temptation. King David made a bad decision, which led to another bad decision. And we know the story. None of us ever intends to make a bad decision. None of us ever wakes up one day and says this, like Samson said one day. Judges 16, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. All of us, church, all of us have fallen into temptation in our lives. All of us have made bad decisions that wreck the lives of others, that wreck the lives of ourselves. And it happens one bad decision at a time. I love what one pastor says. One pastor says this. He says, we need to understand that the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. In other words, he says, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Here's a sermon point for today. Here's what I want you guys to remember. Decisions you make today impact who you will be tomorrow. Any decisions that you or I will make today are going to somehow impact who we will be tomorrow see the truth is this no one ever plans to make a bad decision no one no one ever intentionally plans to fall into temptation that's the truth but the problem church the problem is this that no one ever plans not to make a bad decision no one ever plans not to fall into temptation we are not prepared we don't guard ourselves. And so because of that, for most of us, our day begins just like David's, just like Samson's, by saying, one day.
Show of hands. How many of you have ever given into temptation and then you've regretted it? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. How many of you have ever made a bad decision and then felt really guilty about it? Raise your hand. Absolutely. Every single one of us. Do you know why that is? Because we're not ready. We haven't, be pre haven't been prepared. We haven't pre-decided what we're going to do when the enemy comes and <laughs> knocks on our door of our hearts and tempts us. And the enemy, the enemy is always ready to attack. Always ready to get us. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5.8, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour, searching, looking for you and for me to take that wrong step, that wrong decision, and fall into temptation. And this is why Jesus tells us to pray in this manner, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, he says. Deliver us from evil. Protect us from the evil one. At the garden, Jesus tells his good friend Peter to pray. Matthew 26, 41, he says this, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And this is so true in all of us. The spirit is willing but the flesh, the flesh is so weak. Every single day, you and I wake up and we have this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And when it comes to resisting temptation, most people think that they are stronger than they really are. And this is called restrained bias. It's a real thing. Restrained bias is this. It's a tendency to overestimate our ability to resist temptations when making a decision. This can lead to more exposure to said temptation. And do you know why we overestimate the ability to fight off temptation? Because it takes a lot of energy to resist temptation. Our reservoir of fighting our temptations is limited. Let me give you an illustration. Maybe you go to work and you don't like your boss and throughout the whole day you are restraining yourself from yelling at your boss to let him have it the whole day. And then you come home and your spouse says one little thing that triggers you. And what do you do? You yell at them. Why? Because you've exhausted your ability to hold back from yelling throughout the day. It takes willpower to do so. And you know what? Our willpower is limited. The more we have to use it, the less we have of it. So, what do we need to do when it comes to temptation? How can we be prepared? How can we predecide? to be ready. Before I give you that answer, let me tell you what Paul says about temptation. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says three things. He says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Then he says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And then lastly, I love this, God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. 
that you may be able to endure it. Paul tells the church in Corinth three things. He says, first of all, no one is exempt. Nobody. Every single one of us will pay the consequences of bad decisions. I don't care who you are. And then he says that the temptation we face are the same temptations that everyone faces. Every single one of us. And then lastly, he says, no matter the temptation, he says, God is faithful. And he will always give you and give me an escape so that we can endure it. But the problem that the church had in Corinth is the same problem that you and I and all the churches have today. See, when it comes to temptation, if we're honest, we're not looking for a way out to endure it. We're looking for a way in to indulge in it. Let's be honest. So, with that said, what do we need to do when it comes to temptations? How can we be prepared? How can we pre-decide what we're going to do when the enemy attacks for the rest of our time together, I'm going to get very practical with you guys. I'm going to share with you three keys to overcome temptation. Three important keys so that you and I can overcome temptations. Before I begin, I need to give credit where credit is due. I gleaned some of this information from a book that I'm reading called The Power of Decisions. A great book. It's not a Christian book, but it does have Christian values. So here are the three keys when it comes to overcoming temptations. What do we need to do to be prepared? And here they are. We need to move away from sin. We need to magnify the cost of sin. And then lastly, but so important, we need to make a plan to escape sin. What do we need to do? How are we prepared? Move away from sin, magnify the cost of sin, and make a plan to escape sin. Back to our verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Paul says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. None of us. I don't care how righteous you think you are. None of us is immune from falling into temptations. Every single one of us has had or will have our one-day moments, just like King David did, just like Samson did. So the first thing we need to do is move away from sin. Avoid it as much as possible. Avoid from falling into temptations. I want you guys to picture that this line here, this podium here, is sin. Now, if we're honest, all of us do this. We try to get as close as possible to sin without sinning. We do that. Let me give you an example. Young men out there, young single men who are dating and want to honor God in your relationship. What do you do with your girlfriend? You stay away from sin, so... You pat her on the head. That's not sinning. Oh, don't do that, by the way. But let's say you pat her on the head. Nothing wrong with that. Holding her hand. It's okay. Uh-oh. Can I give her a side hug? What if I turn and give her... My, oh, up here. Hugs right here. What about kissing, Pastor? Getting closer. Kissing on the cheek. Right about here. Not on the lips. And then... We do that. We fall into temptation. So the first thing we need to do is move away from sin. Avoid situations that can lead into that. Avoid spending time together alone. Always be in community. That's what we need to do. You know what's funny? When it comes to dangerous things, 
We avoid it like the plague. I've never seen anyone go to the Grand Canyon and go to the edge and do this. Woo-hoo, I wish if I could fall. I hope I don't fall. No, right? We don't do that, but we, yet we do that with sin. And church, listen, sin is very dangerous. We need to move away from it. Stay as far away as possible as you can. Look what James says in James 1, 13 through 15. He said, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Why? For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed, getting closer to the sin line. He's getting enticed by his own desire. And then the outcome And desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Move away from sin. That's the first thing we need to do. Stay away from sin. Move away from sin as much as possible. All right, let me get a little practical with you guys. What does that look like? I know many of you have the spiritual gift of shopping on Amazon. I know it. You're super good at that. So what can you do? Give your spouse, give your best friend the password. So every time you have the temptation of hitting buy, 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 you have to ask them for permission. I know many of you have the spiritual gift of being on social media, on Facebook, and you can spend hours scrolling down your Facebook What could you do? Set a timer. Maybe there's an app there that would cut you off when you spend more than 30 minutes in a row. Stay away from sin. If friends are causing you to sin, stay away from them. If you have these lustful thoughts, don't get near a computer. There's a lot of apps out there that prevent you from clicking the wrong buttons. If you struggle with anything, anything, stay away from it. Move away from sin. That's the first thing. The second thing, the second key is magnify the cost of sin. We need to magnify the cost of sin. Again, back to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13a. Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. I love what Chuck Swindoll says about sin. He says this, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin is going to keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin is going to cost you more than you want to pay. And that's the truth of all sins. Let me say it again. Sin is going to take you farther than you want to go. Before you know it, you made a bad decision, which led to another bad decision. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Before you know it, you're addicted. And you're in this relationship you shouldn't be in. And it started with a little flirtatious thing, and now you're where you're at. And then lastly, sin is going to cost you more than you ever want to pay. There are circumstances for our bad decisions. You're going to hurt yourself. But more importantly, you're going to hurt loved ones. Paul says this to 1 Timothy or to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's what temptation does. So before, before you make a bad decision... 
before I am tempted to fall into temptation, we need to ask ourselves, what is the worst thing that could happen? We need to magnify the cost of sin. So ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen if I do this? Because most likely it will happen. And maybe when you ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen? Your answer may be something like this. She can get pregnant. We didn't want, we didn't want to have a child yet. Ask yourself before drinking and driving, what is the worst thing that could happen? I could wreck, I could kill someone. I could ruin my life. I could lose my job. I could lose my friends. Ask yourself before you start flirting with that person of the opposite sex, what is the worst thing that could happen? I could lose my family. We need to magnify the cost of our sin. We need to be prepared. And so ask, what is the worst thing that could happen? I've asked myself that question, church. I have. I've asked myself, what is the worst thing that could happen if I were to cheat on my wife? Do you know what the answer to that? Because I know I would lose the respect and the trust of the person, the woman I love the most in my life. You know what else would happen? I would lose the respect and the trust my boys they will no longer see me as a role model as a man of God and as lead pastor as your pastor I will lose your respect and your trust I will hurt you I would hurt the church that I love so much I would hurt your faith is it worth it I would lose my credibility I would lose everything for what? For a moment of pleasure? Ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen? First, we need to move away from sin. Stay away from sin as much as possible. Second, we need to magnify the cost. We need to amplify the cost of sin because it's going to happen. And then last thing, but this is so important, we need to make a plan to escape sin. Again, back to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13b. Paul says this, God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I love these promises. He's saying, first of all, you and I, we will not be tempted beyond our ability to resist it. Listen, if you are a believer... If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, God himself is dwelling in you. So you have the power to say no. See, our willpower is limited. But God's, his power is unlimited. And through his power, his willpower, we can say no. We don't have an excuse. And the second promise is that he will always, because he's faithful, will provide a way of escape so that you and I and anyone can endure temptation. Listen, the, the story of your life, the story of my life, doesn't have to begin the way David's or Samson's one day began. It could begin like Joseph's one day. 
You guys remember Joseph in the Bible? This young, handsome man who was sold into slavery by his brothers. And this man, Potiphar, bought him. And Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything, his finances, his business, his household. But Potiphar's wife wanted to seduce Joseph. But Joseph's one day was different. Genesis chapter 39, verse 11. But one day, it says, but one day, when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, Potiphar's wife caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But Joseph left his garment in her hand and he fled. He got out of the house. He ran. Joseph's one day turned out different than that of David's and Samson's because he had a plan. And what was his plan? Escape. Get out of there as soon as possible. Church, God is faithful. And like he has said, he will never ever allow you to go through a temptation that you cannot bear. And he will always, always give you a way to escape. You know the number one way to escape temptation? Prayer. Pray. When you are being attacked by the enemy, pray. Go to God's word. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. You guys read the gospels? Three times the enemy tries to tempt Jesus while he was so vulnerable. He had been fasting for 40 days. And the enemy attacks once, twice, three times. And three times Jesus goes to scripture. You know what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. Matthew 4, 11. Then the devil left him. In the same manner. The enemy is shooting those arrows of temptation. Go to prayer. That's your escape. Open up God's word. And the devil will leave you. The truth. The truth is no one ever plans on making a bad decision. The truth is no one ever plans on falling into temptation. That's the truth. The problem problem is that no one ever plans not to make a bad decision. No one ever plans not to fall into temptation. So as we begin this new year, 2024, what's your plan? How are you preparing yourself when the enemy starts to attack? Because I guarantee you, he's going to attack. Will you be ready? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be incredibly honest with yourself and ask yourself, where am I most vulnerable? Where really could the enemy come in and start to attack? Ask yourself and, and be truthful with yourself so you can prepare yourself. Is it in your pride? Are you a prideful person? Maybe, Maybe you're very judgmental. You're judging others back and forth all over the place. Are you overly critical? Do you tend to get upset right away? Do you snap at someone quickly? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Is there anger or bitterness? Do you gossip about other people to make yourself maybe feel better? Do you fall into lustful temptations over 
and over and over again. Are you one type of person right now here on Sunday morning at church than you are during the week? Do, do your actions glorify God? Are you ungrateful? Ask yourself, where am I most vulnerable? And then ask yourself, what is the plan? How am I going to pre-decide? How am I going to be prepared? How am I going to be ready not to make a bad decision? Not to fall into temptation? I'm going to share with you my plan. Because I've seen it time and time again in our society. My plan, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my ministry, I have pre-decided this. When it comes to my marriage... I have never or will never befriend anyone of the opposite sex, ever. I'm not in Facebook to begin with, but if I was, I would never do that. I don't text another woman more than once. And if I do, I tell my wife and I include my wife in the text. And if that woman is married, I include the husband. Listen, I never, ever, ever get in a car by myself with another woman. Unless it's my mama or my wife or my sisters. And I don't have any sisters. I only have a brother. Church, I'm a spinning instructor. Most of my audience are women. And I make it a point every single cl class I teach to tell them I'm married. Not that I'm a Joseph. That's not what I'm saying. Not that they're all trying to lure me in. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm protecting myself and I'm protecting them. I'm married. I'm happily married. And I'll say something like this. Go to my class if you don't believe me. I'll say something like, I love this song, but my wife really loves this song. So while I'm doing this class and I'm giving it all I got, I'm thinking of her because she encourages me. That's what I do. That's my plan because nobody is immune from falling into temptation. That's how I protect my marriage. One of the ways. How do I protect my ministry, this church that I love so much? The number one thing that I do every single day is to humble myself. I'm not the lead pastor. He is. This is not my church. It's his. And I've seen the time and time again that other lead pastors think that, they're, think that they're high and mighty. I'm not. I'm here to serve the one who is high and mighty, Jesus Christ. I surround myself with men who hold me accountable. I do everything under accountability. I don't make a decision without asking my board members, my elders, my deacons to move forward. Accountability is how I protect myself from this ministry. What are you doing? What is your plan? How are you going to prepare yourself 20 in 2024? If our New Year resolution, imagine if our New Year's resolution would be as a church to come together and be prepared, be ready. So when the enemy attacks, we would move away from sin. We would magnify the cost of sin and make a plan to escape sin. If that was our New Year's resolution collectively, we'd be a church like no other. So will you join me in this battle and be prepared when the enemy attacks? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you so much for so many promises that are found in this book, Your Word, the Bible. And the promise that we went over today, the promise that is fresh in our heart is this promise of you being faithful when it comes to temptations. That you never 
put us through a temptation that we cannot bear. And more importantly, that you are faithful, that you always have a plan to escape so that we can endure it. So, Father, I pray as your church, as Grace Bible Church family, that you protect us, first of all, from the evil one. That 2024 is a year like no other. Not because we become better about ourselves, but be, become better in who you want us to be. To be more like the image of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray all these things in his name. Amen. Happy near. I love you, church. God bless you guys.